Hello. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. <laughs> um, I'm going to play the intro, then introduce you. Okay. And we do the show. I'll play the outro, then it'll hang up. Okay. All right. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Middle Ground with JL Lee, where we treat you like family. That's the theme song, Detroit Love, off my first album, The JLD Experience. It's the season two premiere, college edition of Historical Black Colleges University, with my niece, Fish University alum, Chantel Moore. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 hello. I'm so honored to be here, first of all. I was so excited when you asked me to join you today. Um, awesome. But yeah. So tell people a little bit about yourself. A little bit about me. I should have been ready for this, huh? Okay. So um, as you just mentioned, I went to Fisk University for undergrad. I received my Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology back in 2014. Um, so hmm, what else about me? I, I guess I want to talk a little bit about like why I chose to do that, but not like too in depth because I know we have some questions here. But basically I wanted to go to HBCU um, because I thought it would be important to like my my personal and professional growth at the same time. Um, so a lot of people might know that Detroit is a predominantly black like city um so a lot of times i get the question of like well why would you go to hbcu when you've been around black people most of your life um but yeah so for me i think a big part of that was just like because black people have kept have helped me get to where i was at that point being 17 and being ready to go to college um i felt like that would only be beneficial moving forward um but yeah, that's like a little bit of background about me. I mean, right now I actually do not use my psychology degree in the like traditional um, fashion. I actually work in public health, uh, public health research at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. So um, that's a little bit about me without getting too much into the whole like black college experience. Cause I do want to answer um, some of the questions you got for me. Okay, well you kind of did one, the second one. <laughs> Which one did you attend, which is Fisk, but why that one? Why that one? That's a really good question. So there were a few different components that went into choosing Fisk. Um, man, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm feeling a little old thinking back to making that choice. Um, but I remember very distinctly that I wanted to go to school out of, out of state. I didn't okay. want to stay in Michigan. <laughs> um, and I also knew that... I wanted to, it was weird because I, I didn't want to be super far from my family. I don't have anything against my family. I wasn't one of those people who like graduated from high school and was like, I got to get out of here. Like, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> so um, I was like, okay, I want to be 
away, but close enough that if something went down, my family could get in the car and like come get me or come help me or whatever the case may be. Um, so, right. So when I went to Tennessee to like visit colleges, I went to TSU, I went to Fisk to visit and I went to Vanderbilt because I was like, I wasn't completely ruling out a PWI, um, but I I just kind of was wanted to be open. I didn't want to be one of those people who was closed-minded. Even though I wanted to go to an HBCU, I didn't want it to be a situation that I made without looking into a, a predominantly white institution, which is a PWI. Um, so I did the, the tours kind of back-to-back, with Fisk being my last one. Um, so I went to TSU. It was cool. Um, I was like, oh, this is the HBCU. But I was like, is this really the environment that I want? And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Like, I got the whole, like, you know, Black people got each other's back thing going. And it's like, it's, it's a rather large institution. So we'll probably have a similar setup to, like, a predominantly white institution in the sense of, like, how to get to classes and all that good stuff. Um, and then Vanderbilt was right there, so I went there. But I completely did not like the vibe at Vanderbilt. I I think I listened to my intuition on that. I just it was just flat. It didn't okay. <laughs> it didn't make me want to just like oh okay like for me um, when it came to going to that was not an HBCU. Um, I I felt like it fighting me something that I wouldn't get anywhere else in the world um, or okay. anywhere else in like any other country, right? Um, but it just felt generic, honestly. I was just like, okay, this is a college. I was like, I can go to any college. Um, and that's no, that's no shade to Vanderbilt. Honestly, I ended up working there. It's a wonderful institution. But as a 17-year-old girl, being honest, I just wasn't, nothing sparked my interest. I was just like, okay. It's just like anywhere else, but you know, fast forward to me getting the Fisk, and it was, it was like, <laughs> it was like going to my, to the feeling of this sense okay. of like, yeah, like warmth and like we got like not only do we have your back because you're an African American person, but we're like deeply invested in you becoming something outside of this. I just got the vibe that everyone down to the president at the university cared about my well-being not just at the university but onward and at that let me be clear at that meeting like at that tour I should say I did not meet the president of the university I did at some point um but not that day but it was just very much so this idea of you know, you're going to get a degree here, but you're going to get so much more. I'm trying not to, to talk too much about it. I'm trying to be as concise as possible while still giving like the full picture of like what I got from um, visiting there and ultimately deciding to go there. Um, yeah, the history at an HBCU is, is top tier. If you are a person of color or a person who wants to know more about people of color. Because I, I do want to um, make mention that um, HBCUs do have people who aren't Black who go to them, and they're welcomed. That is true. And, yeah, and they enjoy their experience. And, I mean, okay, let me not speak for all non-people of color. Let me, let me put that to the side. But the people who were considered the minority at these institutions have very positive experiences 
Um, and I think for me, um, it's weird to say that Fisk like chose me, but it was really one of those situations where I felt like I was going to get the atmosphere I wanted. I was going to get the class sizes I wanted. Fisk has a wonderful psychology program. So, um, and that was the program that I wanted to like go into. Um, and, um, at the time I was heavily considering being a Jubilee singer. I did not end up being one. So let me what put that, that out there. Okay. Ah, thank you. A Jubilee singer is like, man, I'm about to give you a mean history lesson. I'm going to try to be <laughs> as concise as possible. We got an hour. Doing so. Um, so, a ju- so the Jubilee singers were a group of students that essentially funded the university. Now that is that is a very concise sentence on it, but um, and I'm not a historian, but in short, at the at the university, no, I'm sorry, at Fisk University, there was a collection of students who were like, okay, we are an African American institution or an institution to further the development of, of African American people. But we don't have no money. <laughs> so like, so how are we gonna get this? Yeah, so and this is this is like the cool version of the story. So I don't want all my fist guys out there to hear your podcast and be like, uh-uh, she condensing it too much. But this is essentially what happened. They were like, We need money to run this institution. So um they went out and they would do concerts in order to fundraise. So okay. they yeah, so they would go out places and not just running the mill, run, or like hole in the wall places. They would travel. First, it was like, of course, you got to start small. Everybody starts somewhere. It's like mm-hmm. the city, um, the state, the nation. And before they knew it, they were across the globe. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, performing in front of royalty. And I'm trying to remember which queen it was that they performed in front of which um who said that these people are so great they must be from the the city of music and that's why nashville is called music city a lot of people don't know that i know I a lot of people are, yeah i know a lot, a lot of people are going to be like um like no that's not why it's called that because of country music or whatever like no actually <laughs> In textbooks, it has been noted that this. Nashville Love. got it. You're breaking up. Basically, um, I'm trying to think. I got off sidetrack off here. You were asking me about the Jubilee Singers. So, the Jubilee Singers are. Um, I don't want to call them a choir because they're not. I think that I think that the the history of what they are, the tradition of what they are. But to this day, Fisk University has a group of singers, um, and some of they could be categorized as performers in the sense of like these are people who take their craft extremely seriously. Um, okay. Like somebody else I know and who's doing a podcast with me right now. And they, what happens <laughs> is they bring their talents to, to Nashville or they bring their talents to the university. <clears throat> and then um, they sing for the university in order to continue to raise funds for the university to this day. So it's a, it's a really big deal at Fisk. It's basically like 
being an Olympic team, like if the if Fisk was a <laughs> if Fisk was the U.S. Um, the Jubilee Singers are like the U.S. Olympic team that we send out <laughs> out to the Olympics. Bring us back the gold. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's what the Jubilee Singers are. Um, when I was in high school, I was in choir. And so, and I was really training my voice. My voice had gotten to a really good place. Um, I got to Fisk and I chipped, I chicked it out, honestly. Uh, one of my <laughs> roommates, um, who was my roommate basically the entire time I was at Fisk, she was a Jubilee singer and she was so sweet and she would encourage me to do it. And I was like, Sabrina, no, I can't. <laughs> and I was just like, I just can't. Like, it's just too good. Um, I was just really afraid to embarrass myself because they have such a long history and tradition. And once mm -hmm. you learn that tradition and you learn that history, you think to yourself, like, am I good enough to, to step in those shoes? It's like, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't speak for other people. Um, but it's one of those things where you go into a situation and you just know you don't want to tarnish the legacy in any way. And then even the, with that, it's like, will I even get past tryouts? Where anybody even see me as a Jubilee singer? Like, yeah, but forget. you probably would have been dope. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I know a lot of Jubilee singers. They are amazing professionals. Like seriously, these are people who go on into life to make their lives, um, their livelihood through music. Um, so we're not talking about no bottom of the barrel singers here. You got to be, they get the creme de la creme, like seriously. Um, but yes, um, th that answers your question about the Jubilee singers. Um, I only gave a really small portion of the history. I encourage anybody who has Google, who has hard to find out more about the jubilee singers because there is so much more than what i've provided um and then yeah you can fact check me on the whole city of music thing because i was shocked when i learned it too i was like no way <laughs> and then i looked into it i was like okay way whoa well look at that and like yeah it's the history is just phenomenal um that's and that's just one small portion of the history there's so much out there like seriously Fisk is was considered a hidden gem it's it's called a lot of different things some people call it the harvard of the south different um accolades that the university has gained that people don't know about and what brings me a lot of pride is i go forth as a fiscite is reading about civil rights leaders about um performers, vocalists, um, lawyers, just people who graduate from Fisk and do wonderful things. Like, yes, people hear about Howard all the time, Morehouse, Spellman. Mm -hmm. There's so many really good um, HBCUs that are getting their recognition through the, the people who are making, you know, strides in... <laughs> in um in history i mean like come on now our, our vp is a howard alum and that's amazing and it goes to that going to an hbcu does not stunt you in any way if anything it opens the possibilities of like what can be um and what it really comes down to is just your belief in yourself and i think i had enough belief in myself that i knew the tools that i would gain
university would set me up for the rest of my life. So that's why I chose it. I'm so glad I brought that back around in a big old circle. <laughs> uh, no problem. You also yeah. was in a sorority too, I believe. I was in a sorority, yes. So I, um, and that's, and I don't know if this is a me thing or a HBCU thing, or even sometimes I think black people do this. We're like, we're just like, something speaks to us on like a molecular level and you're, and you're like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that. That's, that's where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be over there. So yes, I joined Beta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, the Kappa Gamma chapter. Um, and it was a really pivotal experience. It was a beautiful experience in the sense that I just, for me, I saw myself taking advantages of all of the opportunities that were around me. And even with me feeling like I did that in my experience, there were things that I left on the table. Um, And we'll talk about that later as we talk about like are available at HBCUs as far as like when somebody is graduating or like internships as they go through. There were some things that I left on the table, but I definitely, um, one of my top five experiences there was joining my sorority. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what questions you have about that, but it was, it was, it was great. <laughs> I, I just remember, cause I yeah. was going to, I wanted to do a mega side fight at Wayne State, but uh-huh. My work schedule, and they really didn't have a present there. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I didn't do it, but that's one I was going to do. Oh, well, <laughs> that's interesting. And it, the, the network is, for me, if you don't go to a HBCU, I think that it does make a lot of sense to join a historically um, Black like sorority or fraternity because it, it's all about networking right um i think mm-hmm. a lot a lot of times people use the saying it's not about what you know it's you know and true. i think that's extremely true when it comes to um these schools that have what a lot of people would consider the 10 percent. and i don't want to get caught up in that because that's a a we be the boys like ideology of like there's this 10 percent of people who go off and they learn and they become scholars and they like pave the road for everybody else like the scholars and the and the, oh, okay. and the lawyers and the activists they get out there and they get their their hands in their minds dirty in order to figure out how to bring up the rest of us, the, the 90%, right? Um, so mm. that we have opportunities in the future. So Barack Obama, that he's in that 10%, you know, um, Kamala Harris, she's in that 10%. Like these people who go out there and say, hey, 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 don't sleep on us. <laughs> we can do, we can be, we are here to, mm-hmm. to, to come, you know, and, and do all the things. I mean, I can go on for days and days. John Lewis, um, Dr. Martin Luther King, and I'm saying people that other people know so they can get an understanding of what the 10% means. There are, there are people, there are unsung heroes who are a part of that 10% and people don't know that they were quietly in the background making sure we could get in the front door when we were still going through the back, if you got what I'm saying. That's true. Um, so, yeah. Um, yes. Was there a question that I didn't answer? <laughs> no, we don't question four. Okay, I just threw cool. their sorority stuff in there. Oh, okay. Um, what can a freshman expect to register in person? What's that like? 
what's that like registering a person? I saw this question and I was like, ooh. <laughs> so I had a, a difficult experience registering person, registering in person, not because of anything that my university did, but because of my limited information on what it means to register for college, period. Okay. Um, uh, the registration process evolves over time to meet the times, right? Because I have college-educated parents, um, as you know, and my mom was not ready for what it was like to register in a college in, you know, the teens of the 2000s. She was looking like, okay, I haven't done this since. <laughs> like she was like I don't know nothing about this like we were talking about FAFSA and she was looking at me like fast what you got a cheetah what's going on <laughs> um, so yeah so I think what I want anybody who's registering for school period to know is like make sure your FAFSA's done make sure you know which um, scholarships you have and have accepted your scholarships before getting to campus things that I have forgotten to do I forgot to um basically just accept all of the like aid that I was receiving whether that be grants or scholarships or loans um so making sure that's all squared away another thing that I would definitely encourage somebody especially if you're going to school out of state call the university a lot call them Mm -hmm. say your name if you know your id number say your id number say i want to make sure that i have everything squared away so when i get there it can be a smooth process a smooth process so we can talk about my process how i had no idea what i was doing and i was not what is sometimes called at um organizations i don't think this is just an hbcu thing i think it's just a, a college thing about being cleared or financially cleared yeah. Uh, which means right which means that you're ready to come to school and it's paid for um there was a lot of missteps that I made along the way one of them being not making sure that I accepted all of the scholarships that I had and had them like in my record at the university um so it was it was touch and go there but they had like a really great system where they kind of were having people who weren't financially clear go through this building and depending on where you were in your process depending on where you would end up as who you would talk to so make sure that that's like handled before you get to campus you don't want to get there and they're like oh yeah we don't know really nothing about you. What scholarships you got? Where are you coming from? What's going on? And they're looking at you crazy. Um, when in reality, I should have been calling ahead of time. And that's just life, right? Don't expect yeah. other people to do stuff for you. <laughs> I, I, I know that people who go to HBCUs are probably like, yeah, that's what I learned in that experience because that's what I learned. I was like, see, I can't expect them to do it. I have to make sure that it's done myself yeah, you before put that work I here. get here. Exactly. Like, you don't expect them to just be like, oh, okay, she got some scholarship money over here. Let me hit accept for her. Like, no, 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 no. That's your job to make sure that that gets done. But, um, for people who are like, no, I crossed my eyes and I, and I know I said that backwards. Uh, for people who feel like they got it all together, when you get there, the registration experience is not bad. Um, they will 
tell you where like your room is like the first day you'll probably register for classes and or register to take tests to test out of certain classes like you'll go and um you'll take a test where you test out of like um certain levels of math or certain levels of a language like say you've been taking spanish your like i'm not starting at spanish 100 <laughs> um they'll have a whole situation where you take a test so you can test out and test into the appropriate level of language um but yeah you go to your dorm you meet your of that sort and you're really asking me to pull up um a memory that is was both a learning experience and kind of like well stressful <laughs> i asked that question because anytime any portrayal of hbcu has been put on screen uh-huh if you're in line to rest you might have the fraternity sorority stepping just a hype atmosphere mm-hmm. so i was asking mm-hmm. is there any truth to that why you oh that is so interesting so hmm that doesn't happen so they they fast forwarding they're not even showing you what happens before you get to that so there is something that's considered like a welcome week where they do have fraternities and sororities step in they um they have like different events for the freshmen to go to like yeah that kind of stuff is real but that's not happening as you're moving in <laughs> okay so like you move in and then you do the fun stuff you have orientation um yeah so um i called it welcome week some places call it orientation week i believe fisk calls it orientation week too um i was an orientation leader one year which is basically somebody who's at the university and i'm just and i have like uh group of freshmen and they come and they ask me questions about everything no I'm just kidding um but I am the person (laughs) who like brings them into the fold and that's a part of the family feel really too just having somebody who was at the university who was actually invested in you too so because my orientation leader was so clutch and like awesome it made me want to be the same for somebody else like like, oh my gosh, I had this wonderful experience with my orientation leader. I want to do that for somebody else. And what I mean by that is somebody who um, wants to know what your challenges are your first week. Like, how's everybody acclimating to be here? Who's homesick already? Like, really asking those serious questions. And also just somebody who you don't afraid, don't feel afraid to ask dumb questions to. So in the first week, we went, we learned our alma mater. I don't know how it's so funny I don't know how to say the alma mater but if somebody just started singing it right now I know all the words (laughs) and I'm like how how (laughs) but patient week to learn the the words to the alma mater and I remember somebody had a dumb question I would just say it's me I can't remember who asked this but they weren't sure what the words were you know how sometimes if you kind of know a song you might just mm-hmm. make up some lyrics to the, yeah. the, to the song you feel <laughs> yeah it's just fill it in and you're like that's not the words but we were able to ask our orientation leader like hey this sounds like this but like what's actually happening here like what are the words saying um and just like get those kind of questions out of the way. But yes, it to to kind of bring your question full circle. Yes, it is like that. It's like, oh, cool. It's people stepping over there. It's people doing stuff over here. Um, Fisk is definitely a school that's like 
going over your friend's house, like in the sense of like, hey, meet me over here. And it's not hard to meet that person. Like you don't have to worry about, cause it is a really small campus of us for that. But it makes meeting up and hanging out with people so much easier because there's only so many places to meet up and hang out. There's only so many places like <laughs> meet me over here and nobody gonna be like, I'm lost on campus. What part of campus you on? I can't find it. No, it's like, no, everybody know where the tree of knowledge is. Everybody knows where Spence Hall is. Everybody knows where this dorm is and that dorm. Like everybody knows. Nobody's worried about <laughs> losing anything or not being able to find each other. And like, the only thing unrealistic at Fisk University, because like, we get this all the time, right? HBCUs aren't like the real world. They don't prepare you for the real world. The only thing that's unrealistic is that everything that you need is in walking distance. And I'm learning that as an adult. I'm just like, I used to get so much done in college. I'm like, that's because everything was in walking distance. Okay. <laughs> you wake up you wake up for, for 8 o'clock at 8.05, you go get there at 8.10. Like, because everything's closed. You don't have to worry about like, oh, shoot. What shuttle am I going to take to get over here to do that? Which is nice when you're in a new city like I was and I don't know anybody and I don't have to worry about getting around, eventually getting grabbed by a stranger on my route because my route's not that mm-hmm. long. <laughs> it's not going to take me 30 minutes to get to the other side of campus. Um, so, yeah. Um, so the culture environment is pretty homey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And it's, now, it's oh, what are you gonna say? What's the tree of knowledge? The tree of knowledge. <laughs> now I feel like I'm giving up trade secrets. You gonna kick out the club? They're gonna be like, you can't be a fist guy no more because you got on that podcast and told all our secrets. Um, what's the tree of knowledge? It literally kind of is what it sounds like. It is a tree <laughs> on okay. campus mm-hmm. where and. and you know how um, with parables, it's kind of like a game of telephone. And sometimes by the time it gets to you, the story has changed. I was always told that the tree of knowledge is called the tree of knowledge is because it's where, um, it's where so many Fiskites like congregate to exchange ideas and thoughts. Like you go okay. to the tree of knowledge and that you're always going to have a bomb conversation over there. It's always going to be someone having a conversation about something. Um, and it's usually going to be of some type of philosophical nature. <laughs> right. So intellectual like, hangout. Yeah, like, yeah, but it okay. can be like a regular hangout. It doesn't have to be that. Like, it's not like we go into the tree of knowledge, like, here he, here he. Let's all <laughs> talk about... <laughs> like, no, it's one of those okay. things where you just kind of... Yeah, you got to keep it being classified. Why don't you give them those secrets to out here? <laughs> I am. And make sure you stay good. Keep you right. Right but, be <laughs> No, I don't think so. But yeah, and also it was like centrally located on the campus, more or less. Okay. Um, It's so interesting because a lot of people don't know this either. Fisk University has not always been as small as it is today. Um, There's a lot of different reasons for that. But um, so when I say it's centrally located... I mean, as of, you know, 2014, like the, the, the new era, Fisk used to be a lot bigger. Okay. It's, it's of like they used to own more land. Um, so it probably isn't historically centrally located. Um, so just want to throw that out there. I don't want somebody to be like, centrally located? Uh-uh, because we 
used to own all the Fiskites <laughs> love to fist. Let me tell you something. Fiskites love to fact check you on Fisk history. Oh, okay. Wow. They love to about that life. life. Yeah, they are about that life. I'm telling you, if you went to Fisk, you probably have a very extended like knowledge of the history there. I took a whole class about the history of Fisk. Like, and it was I'm pretty certain it was called You're the serious. history of Fisk. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't a serious vibe in the classroom at all. It was definitely like a, a eager vibe of the sense of like, I want to know because I want to go out into the world and tell people like, I'm a fist guy and this is why I'm a proud fist guy because the university has done X, Y, and Z. And that's why when I was giving you that little tiny history lesson, I was like, get on Google, learn for yourself because I am only, I am literally putting a drop in the bucket when it comes to the history of the Jubilee Singers. And I'm talking about, and I was also talking about their impact and their impact on one queen. They had impact um, people all over the the world, seriously. Wow. Um, and I just wanted to give that little little tidbit about the, the you know, Music so, City and all that good stuff. But yeah, so. So social events. Social events. What about it? They they on point. Fun, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's funny, right? Because, mm-hmm. and I think this is with black people too that we do this thing where it's like, back in my day, we used to hang from the ceilings and we used to do this, and the parties <laughs> was way hyper than this, and da 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 da. So you always get that. You always get alumni who come back from homecoming and they like. Man, I remember that one time we had that one party and all this, and they 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 glamorize or romanticize their memories about this um their fist experience. But I personally enjoyed it. Um and it's it's so interesting because Nashville is a, a college town for all intents and purposes. There's like universities inside of Nashville, which I think is oh, crazy. Wow. Didn't know that. When, yeah, when somebody told me that, I said, you lying. <laughs> I was like, you, you gotta be lying. That's way too many. Um, but I know off the top of my head, like five, so it could be, you know, okay. extra 11 out there. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. it's So there's a lot of different things to do with college students, period. So you got all these colleges. Like, I remember um, when I was at Fisk, I had fun at the things that we did on campus, but a lot of time, like we would get a caravan and be like, we got to go to Vanderbilt and, you know, act a fool over there and then leave and blame it on them. We must go over to TSU and, you know, go just, you know, turn up over there. Why not? Um, a lot of times people say that just guys are snooty and all we do is study and, you know, practice music and, you know, um, we're, you know, have our noses in the air, but we don't, we love to have fun. Um, we are to me a super fun group. I think everybody has their own experiences, but I'll tell you this. I think what's super important is to get like tapped into the network. Cause like in the sense of like when alumni comes into town, get to know mm-hmm. them. I think okay. sometimes people are nervous to like reach out to people who didn't go to Fisk with them. But that to me, that's a part of my Fisk experience. I like hearing stuff about things that people did before me or hearing about um, a situation where people who graduated before me mingle with people who, who are still at Fisk. 
after me it okay. really does feel familial when you say a person's name they're like oh yeah i know her she was doing x y and z when she was at fist i'm like how do you know that <laughs> it's that's like awesome. because yeah, it's because you took the time to get to know them. And I think that's with any university, really. It's just like really putting yourself out there um, and getting to know people and allowing people to get to know you in an authentic way. I'm not saying like go around telling all your business, but like, you know, make acquaintances, make people that you can reach out to um, from a social standpoint as well as a professional standpoint. Because, of course, this is college. You're supposed to be going to get business done, but um, you should also reach out to just have people who you can continue to have fun with once your college days are over. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. Um, I'll leave the Wayne State Music School. They they got it in. People thought they was real nerdy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nerds can have fun too. And I think yeah. I'm classified as a nerd anyway. So people Me too. probably awesome. <laughs> people take what I have to say with a grain of salt. But I had a good time. And I also just believe that you you sometimes too. Like you might turn turn up somewhere and it don't have to necessarily be at your school. You could be out somewhere <laughs> else. Okay. And it's just not a good time. You gotta make it a good time. Um I know a lot of times when I was in um, undergrad, there was a thing where like people would have off campus parties at like houses or apartments, mostly houses though, not apartments because you know, noise complaints and stuff like that, but like have house parties. Like sometimes you got to make the fun where there might not be fun. But I do remember um, there were events at the school that were fun, you know? So yeah. Okay. It's what you make it. Are African-American men and women more focused at an HBCU? That's a really good question. So my answer to that, from my perspective, is no. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because, yeah. Things walking around. Look at her, man. She's fine. Yeah. She's going to class. I'm that man class. Hey, hey, beautiful, what's your name? No, yes, that's, that's literally exactly what I was going to say. You have a bunch of educated men and women around you who like yeah you can get distracted but it's up to you to stay focused to stay focused that's so funny and, and i'm not gonna say no names and i'm i'm so nervous that somebody who didn't hear this and be like i know exactly what she's talking about you can get unfocused the person that i was dating when I, one of the main people i was dating when i was an undergrad graduated after me he got real unfocused <laughs> he was focused on a whole lot of other stuff and i'm just like I stay focused. I was like, I gotta get up out of here. Every year is more debt. I, I know I couldn't went to one back then. Mm-mm. You said what? No good. I couldn't went to a black college back then. HBCU. Really? Wouldn't be no good for me. No then. good to too many beautiful women, and that is a, that mm-hmm. is something that is said. The women mm-hmm. to men ratio is ridiculous at most colleges, but you gotta yes, think true. about it. At HBCU, like you're saying, it's that, it's that same man to woman ratio, but all of the women are highly educated. And mostly beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's just like, oh, wow, you smart and you look like that. Wow, wow. Yeah, so there's definitely. I mean, networks, uh, I, need a, I need a team. Doctor, <laughs> lawyer, judge, politician. <laughs> I need a network with all y'all. I don't want to oh. know a guy. I got my squad. I'm good. I need to know y'all. Yeah, that's that's so definitely something that would happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, where guys would get super duper distracted. Um, but I think for women, I think women have um would, same problem no do you think so you think 
Well, you know, a lot of cats, they, they going to work out now. You go down there like, I can't be, I got to be right walking around campus now. That's true. That's no, true. Look at me like, you look scrubby. No, nah, I got to be fit. No, you ain't got to be skinny, but fit for your size. Fit for your size. Yeah, for sure. You want, for a little, sure. want a little bit of tension, you know, get your black door around. Walk That's... through the screen with your books. <laughs> you know, let her say, hey, what's his name? Engineer, okay, what's happening? exactly that's true that's true but i think i maybe in my experience i did both i would i'm not gonna say that like i didn't talk to anybody or i didn't see anybody that i was interested in like yeah but i, I still got this debt it's coming every year <laughs> every yeah. year they're giving me more money which means when i get out of here i gotta figure out a way to pay that back that was always yeah. in the back of my head so i never got, got your priorities in order to get right. the like, and have fun Exactly. I was like, I didn't get railroaded, but I mean, some women can get distracted. They're like, "Ooh, what he doing over there?" I'm like, "Girl, you don't, you don't need to know what he doing over there." So I've had some talks with some friends. You don't need to know what he doing over there. What you doing in your biology class? What you doing? There you go. <laughs> Keep on the right path. path. There you go. That's, that's a teammate right there. Exactly. <laughs> now, do HBCUs connect students to internship job mm -hmm. opportunities? similar to traditional colleges yes um but that goes back to what i was saying before you have to do the work it was there okay. but chantelle she missed it <laughs> she missed the boat i was like it, and it wasn't that it was never there it wasn't that it was poorly organized it was just the fact that i was not looking for it and that's okay. why i think it's important for people to network i don't care where you go to school because i'm sure it's just as easy to miss it at a PWI, um, but I will say, um, now that I worked at two different predominantly white institutions, that they do a lot of what I like to call like information overload, which is not a bad thing, but they send out stuff constantly. Whereas at Fisk, they, they, don't, they don't push you as much because the idea is that girl, like seriously, our career services, I believe that the office was right under the cafeteria. <laughs> so it's like, it ain't far. You come here and you are going to a building that you go to every single day, at least once. You go to this building at least once every day. So you can't say, well, where is it? And I knew where it was. I just wasn't thinking about my future in those terms. So they want you to take the initiative more. Yeah. So yeah. For gotcha. sure, but that doesn't mean it's one of those things where it's like once you know, you know. So like mm -hmm. once you know, you can go in and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking about doing careers, career wise. Another thing that comes out for a lot of students is not knowing what you want to do career wise and what you are even going in there looking for, right? Um, because when you sit down with somebody who is trying to connect you with internships and things that can help you on your your career path, they're gonna ask you what's your career path <laughs> and I think for me I didn't know um as if I'm being honest I might not still know to this day right here but I didn't know how to answer those questions but the opportunities were there I remember there was a such thing as like a resume workshop where you bring your resume okay. and somebody in career services goes over with you tells you the do's and don'ts like that stuff was there did I go? No. <laughs> I didn't go. And yeah, I, I just didn't think I needed it. I didn't know what to say when I got there. I think a lot of it for me personally was just like looking slow. Like, girl, you're in college. What you mean you don't know what you want to do? Like, that's why you're here, right? To 
set yourself up to where you want to go next. Um, but now looking back at it as an adult, this is like 10 years ago. So, um, yeah, I'm like, man, I should have just went and be like, I don't know what I want to do, but can I talk to somebody who had like a psychology degree? Like there's sometimes mentorship opportunities where it's like, okay, I have a psychology degree. This is what I think I want to do, but I'm not sure. Um, that I'm sure they could have helped me in that respect. I didn't start going to like career services and stuff. And I actually helped a lot with career service in the sense of like pointing people in that direction mm-hmm. and telling them that the resources was there when I was like a senior. Um, and okay. I, and once I was a senior, I had already chosen to take a gap year that turned into like a, what feels like a gap decade now. Um, and I, I didn't want to go in and be like, look, I'm not doing nothing right now, but the great thing about that situation as far as like deciding not to go to career services is that that's not cut off to me that goes into the whole like um networking aspect so fist cares about what i'm doing now like they care that i have a degree for from them and if i were to reach out to them and say i'm an alumni i went to school for this this is what my resume looks like now. I'm kind of in a, a stuck spot. I need to move into either another direction or to take my talents like somewhere else. That's not cut off to me. Um, okay. Yeah, with me being in a sorority, it's even more open to me because not only can I go back to Fisk and say, hey, <laughs> I need help. I can also go to my sorority sisters and my sorority brothers and say, yo, I need help. <laughs> like that real... <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, I don't think that that's cut off to people. And a lot of times, even when people go to other schools, they notice that they can kind of come back and say, hey, I'm an alumni. Help me. <laughs> Help. Yeah, Wayne State yeah. does that. I'm exactly. pretty sure a lot of colleges are doing it now to bridge the gap because you got life experiences that the people about to graduate can u- utilize. Exactly. Now, is there a con- uh, holding each other accountable atmosphere at HBCU? Heck, yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, I really don't, I don't know how you want me to expound on that. I'll try, but there's this idea of people genuinely being invested in you because they look at you and they genuinely feel like they see themselves. And the reason why they say that is because a lot of times, I don't know how it is in a lot of different HBCUs, but the teachers that I had at Fisk were there for a long time. So... (laughs) I'm talking to people who graduated in um, 2000 and 2001, and they like, oh, yeah, you got Miss McCarroll. Yeah, I had her, too. So this is what you need to do. <laughs> like, okay. this is how you need to pass her class. And it was just like, dang, she was teaching. Like, yeah, she had um, she had been working there about 15 years when I got there. I'm just like, is she still teaching me? <laughs> like, why? She, why she won't retire? But, <laughs> but, yeah, there's definitely that atmosphere. I know a lot of times people graduate from their – from the university and then go back as a professor later on um so yeah there's definitely that like holding you accountable I know my advisor and the psychology department not my first advisors or my second advisor she was a um a Fisk University alum and she like cared she was no longer like she had gone to school somewhere else and all that good stuff but she came back and she wanted to be a professor at her alma mater and give back in that way and um, be available to young, highly educated African-American men and women who want to ultimately, you know, um, 
what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like soar in their particular field. So I think the accountability comes from a place of love, sin sincerely and genuinely of like, how are you feeling? Like, what do you want to do next? What is it that, what does you want this to look like? Oh, you want it to look like that? Well, let me be real with you about what it can look like. Because sometimes when you, you know, just left your mama house, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what the real <laughs> world is like. Um, and they can talk to you about the challenges. And I'm not saying that anybody would shoot down anybody else's dreams, but really talk about like, okay, that's good that you have those goals. But let's be realistic about your timeline, maybe. Like maybe you're talking about doing that in five years. Maybe let's, let's look at that as a 10-year plan. Um, so there's definitely okay. this sense of holding you accountable and like pushing you forward in a positive way that's not like belittling. I think sometimes when I talk to people who are people of color who go to predominantly white institutions, there's this idea of like, not, like, like the, the vibe from the, the professors or the administration is just kind of like, now, you know, you black and you ain't going very far. <laughs> like, just get this degree and, and be happy that you have a degree. Be happy we gave you a degree. Right. Oh, wow. um, and I, this sense of like, no, I got faith in you. You want to be better than me? You want to go past where I've gone? Cool. Let's see how you can make that happen. These are the challenges you might face along the way. Be prepared for that. Don't give up. Don't think that just because you hit, potentially hit this roadblock that I hit that you can't succeed. Um, you can, but be prepared for some failure. Be prepared for some rejection. Um, but don't give up on yourself because it is possible. But if I would have given up on myself, I wouldn't be here to tell you not to give up on yourself. Get where I am and further if you like. Um, it's just, it may be an uphill battle for you. Yeah, you kind of tied in the last question, the investment with student advisor relationship. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, cool. and yeah, that's so funny because speaking of the advisor I had when I was a senior, <laughs> I came to her office and I was like, I just can't do this. And she was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, I, I can't keep going. I just can't. I have to stop. And she was just down and she said I took a year off like she had her PhD and she's this professor and I'm like you know I'm thinking she just went straight through she's like no I took some time off um but you got to be ready to bring yourself back into that she said if you feel burnt out right now you're not going to be any good in a master's program a PhD program any of those programs don't set yourself up for failure um and she wasn't saying oh yeah that's that's fine girl you got your master's degree done she was saying be ready because when you go to do it it's not gonna be easy i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and tell you this is gonna i'm gonna tell you straight up it's gonna be hard so if you need to take a rest take a rest because if you go into that program on and you don't um prepare yourself for the potential like strain of being in a higher education program, you're going to feel worse if you go now. Like right now, I genuinely feel like if I did the time management and everything that I get my master's and I feel very comfortable and confident with that, just not only because of my experience at my HBCU, but because of advisor being really open about the fact that it would be hard, but it's important to prepare myself. It's like, what is you 
want this to look like? What kind of degree did you, do you want? Um, and being real be, about being concrete with your goals. Like, don't just be like, oh, I guess I'll, because sometimes that's what educated people do. Oh, I'll, I guess I'll just go get my PhD. And it's like, but why? Why are you getting Yeah, that's not a word just to say Yeah, exactly. So he was just like, listen, I, I've arrived. I have my PhD. And the entire reason I had to remind myself of my why, that was extremely important know why I was doing this and she said sometimes I lost out of my why um and I had to reroute myself but that's okay too but I, I ain't got no why I just want to go home <laughs> I just want to go home and go sleep <laughs> yeah like, I, I can relate I dropped out back in 08 and just having a job like this ain't what it is let me get back and finish mm-hmm. and I had to talk to myself like okay non-stop until you have it in your hand Mm-hmm. It took eight years later. Yeah. Well, I'm bad seven. I graduated last year. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And it was a lot of work. I'm sure. In the but... summer, everybody partying like, nah, I, I got this. I got this counting class. I got to go do. Mm-hmm. I'll be hollering back. And yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think that that's that's most places um, that like you have these experiences, but it's personally having the advice having the experiences meeting all these different people from different facets of life because not only do we have african-american men and women from like parts of the diaspora so people who are from like africa coming to fisk to get yes and going either to do something else in the country or to do something back in their home country we had people who were coming over from the islands there, it wasn't just like it wasn't like I was still in Detroit in the sense of like the proximity mm-hmm. to Af- to like black people. I was learning about black different facets of life. I think I had wanted to bring that up earlier. Like you, okay. it's not just one. It's not being black is not a monolith, and going to an HBCU doesn't mean you're not prepared to be in the real world. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're trying to coddle yourself. If anything, you going into one who are like, look, little black girls and boys, because that's how they look at you when they've been teaching for 60 <laughs> years. Okay. They're like, get it together, because ain't nobody going to help you. I'm in here. I'm pushing you so hard, because when you get out there, I want when they push you, I want you to shrug it off like, oh, that's it? That's what you I, I struggle harder in college because my bio, my aunt, true story, anatomy and physiology, I was in a lab class opening up not oh, wow. on no computer doing yeah looking mm. at real sheep brains and having to identify different parts of mm. brains the people who go to vanderbilt talking about yeah my anatomy and physiology class we do stuff like that but we do it on a computer i'm like a computer do you know what a real brain not the um the anatomy of stuff in real life compared to like drawings and illustrations two completely different and okay. I think that that was so important for me. Like, ultimately, I didn't end up going into the medical field like I had thought I would in this extremely hard class. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I, I felt lucky because I was like, see a live organ, any live organ, whether yeah. human or not, until they get to med school. And I felt like if I go to med school after this, I am going to be more prepared than 
professors. And it's because this professor was like, well, I don't want to say he was like, forget all this technology because he wasn't. He was just old school. He was just like, all of my students. He was also foreign, mm-hmm. which is, okay. I'm doing a horrible job with his accent. But he's like, this is how I've been teaching students for the last 40 years. Y'all, he needs brains. I ha- I'm soaking them in formaldehyde to preserve them. <laughs> and okay. Y'all all going to open these up and look at them and don't mess my brains up because I've been holding on to them for this many years. And wow. so, yeah, so you have to deal with that too because things deteriorate, living things deteriorate, right? So mm-hmm. as things, um, you know, I still had to figure out which part of the brain I was looking at, even though it might have looked different from another brain that I looked at. Like there would be t- I'm gonna make this short where I look at a brain and I'll be like oh that's that part like okay I know that part and then he'll have it on a different brain but it distorted like because of time and decay and I'm like is that what I think it is and I'm starting to second guess myself and he's like no 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 a brain is a brain (laughs) part and I'm like oh man (laughs) yeah so yeah so I mean it's been awesome Someone that might want to go to HBCU. This is great information for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been awesome guest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank hope you, you enjoy so doing it. I did enjoy doing it. I, I hope that you don't have to do a lot of editing. I'm sure you probably don't no. edit your podcast. No. Yeah. It's I've been thinking about what you've um the, the fact that you wanted me on the show, what I would say, and all of that went out the window. What I was like, I had so many profound things to say. But one of the main things that I wanted to say is that um you can go to whatever college you want, just make sure it's for you. Um, yeah, I encourage people of color to go to HBCU, but if that's not your your style, your vibe, that's not what you want, you gotta do what's best for you. Um, and that's really what's important. That's great advice. Hope everybody have an awesome weekend. I had to get you back on the pod again. Yeah, I can talk about stuff. I'm also, you, if you have a sorority thing, I can talk about that. I can I talk do about, episode about that. Yeah. And you can... and, a, and a Greek, a guy, talk about sorority. Both yeah. of them. The difference too. That, that's I think I know somebody. Cool. <laughs> you do even if you don't think you know somebody you probably know somebody because people be you know you know download not Mm -hmm. download like that but like chilling they don't be like with a whole bunch of paraphernalia on like how often do you see me a paraphernalia (laughs) almost never (laughs) exactly it's just like it's in my heart that's all that matter and it's in this community service i be doing (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's dope stuff. Yeah, so well, yeah. play the outro, and I'm get, I'm figure out this one to get you back. Have the one about sororities and fraternities. Okay, that sounds good. All right, till next time. Can't stop me. We won't be